the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Liebson. Happy Friday, June 17th, 2022. The very first political scientist, Aristotle, put forth a once understood, now nearly forgotten, and perhaps controversial thought in his first chapter of his book on politics. He writes, quote, Since man alone has any sense of good and evil, of just and unjust, the association of living beings who have this sense make a family and a state, close quote. Those are the two most important institutions we build, the family or state, or what's known in Greek as the polis. Then he goes on, quote, the state is by nature clearly prior to the family and to the individual, since the whole is of necessity prior to the part. For example, if the whole body be destroyed, there will be no foot or hand, except in an equivocal sense, as we might speak of a stone hand. For when destroyed, the hand will be no better than that, close quote. One chafes a little at the thought that the state is prior to the individual or family, but the point Aristotle is making is that if you want to create something good, it has to be housed in an environment that will allow it to grow, thrive, and prosper. You have to have the vision of where it will exist. James Madison understood the same, as he put it in the 51st Federalist paper. Again, somewhat forgotten and perhaps controversial. Quote, In framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed, and then next place, oblige it to control itself. Hold those thoughts. Regular listeners to Dennis Prager's show will know what a fan the 12-step program he is. People who have been involved in the 12-step programs may know a phrase that comes out of Al-Anon. I didn't cause it, I can't control it, and I can't cure it. We think of that in individual relationships, broken ones usually, or breaking ones, especially when a mind-altering or behavior-altering or addictive substance is involved. It's not true in social policy. We never think that way, do we? Our government and charitable organizations are dedicated to reams of effort at trying to solve problems or control them that none of the people trying to solve them directly caused. Keep that in mind. And keep the word cause in mind, too. My friend Mark Wachansky and I, many of you recall him for some appearances here, and he'll be back. He and I decided to go see for ourselves the homeless issue in Phoenix this morning. A lot of people talk and have talked about it. How many have seen it? In candor, I haven't in some time, years. I'm not talking about the individual or individual family here and there you see on the streets. I mean encampments. So this morning we spent it in what is called Tent City in downtown Phoenix. Tent City, we just say it. You got to see it. Since last year, there's been a 450% increase of people camped out on the streets there. Phrases I don't like were my first thoughts. Blight and tragedy, my second Third, this is totally solvable. 
Tent City, camped out. Let's not dress this up or sanitize it, shall we? These are not tents you buy at REI or some other recreational store, and it's not camping. These are cobbled together cloth and metal shanties put together with no consideration other than something temporary to shield the sun or the rain. For those of you that have seen pictures of the border or been there, this is 10 times or more worse. And mostly American citizens. Filth, garbage, malnutrition, people aimlessly walking through the streets, some muttering, some yelling at nobody, some yelling at others, some silent. As Michael Schellenberger puts it, these are not encampments. These are open drug scenes and mental health depots. By depots, I mean deposits. The two most valuable possessions the homeless have, we saw and found by observation, were bicycles and shopping or grocery carts. You know, those metal carts with wheels. And then there was a fire. Mark and I were driving on Jefferson and saw a plume of black smoke a few blocks away. We decided to drive toward it to see what it was, and a policeman on foot asked if we could give him a ride. Deputized, we drove to see what it was. A shopping cart on fire, just lit on fire, almost as if you'd envision in the aftermath of a war zone attack or bombing. It wasn't that, and it wasn't the Sudan or Kabul a man's grocery cart with his possessions in it were aflame. We asked the policeman how the fire started and how common that was. He said it was lit on fire by someone in charge, so to speak. The possessor of the grocery cart didn't pay some form of tribute to someone, either for some cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, or maybe just the quote-unquote right to be there. So he was punished. Everything he owned in his grocery cart was torched. How common, we asked the policeman. All the time, he said. Again, American citizens living in the rule of the jungle, which is to say no more than the rule of force and insanity, literal insanity. It is solvable, and I'm going to be working on this and talk more about it over the months and years, but it's also inexcusable. Drugs, alcohol, mental illness, that's the toxic combination that dominates these areas. And crime is the result, violent and abusive crime. So let's talk a little about cause, because I do think we can control, if not solve this. And there's a vicious cycle to it all. Two things will transpire this weekend, folks, you know it, and nary a thought will probably be connected to them when they should be identified and linked. Let's start with Father's Day. Children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of schools, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. They are more likely to have behavioral problems or run away from home or become teenage parents themselves. Those are not sentences I wrote. Those are sentences Barack Obama wrote and spoke. Meantime, we created a welfare system that paid more to those who were unmarried without an adult man in the house. In other words, we created a welfare system that incentivized fatherlessness. Meantime, as Nicholas Eberstadt has pointed out, we now have a population here of nearly half of all prime working-age male labor force dropouts, an army now totaling 7 million men, currently taking pain medication on a daily basis. Meantime, the gravest threat to life, the leading cause of death of Americans 18 to 44, aged 18 to 44, prime working, earning, and learning years, is drug overdose. Not car accidents, not guns, not stabbings, not cancer, not covid Drug overdose, 
leading cause of death, 18 to 44, America. And there's yet another phrase we have sanitized, isn't it? We used to call it illegal drug use. Then we called it illegal substance abuse. Then we called it substance abuse. Now we just call it substance use. We are ever increasingly sanitizing, destigmatizing, and normalizing this. If we're not calling it substance use, we call it an overdose from substance use, an overdose. Why is it an overdose? It's a dose. The drug did what it was designed to do. It poisoned a brain or body. It's a dose. Cue my quote from Confucius here. When, mood, wor, when words lose their meaning, people lose their liberty. Have you met someone in the grip of mental illness or illegal drug use and addiction? There is nobody less free, more imprisoned. And because of the incapacity or distorted capacity, many think they are actually more free than us, which is part of the vicious cycle of dependency and homelessness and mental illness as well. There are laws, too, which have been attenuated to allow a consciousness of unenforcement. Too often we dismiss the Thunderdome we have tolerated and the enforcement of law by calling what is taking place quality of life crimes. We should not be speaking of quality of life crimes. We are talking vagrancy. We are talking arson. We are talking battery. We are talking illegal drug dealing and use. We are talking sex abuse and rape. Why do we not want to enforce laws against this and dismiss them as quality of life crimes? Dr. Michael Schellenberger writes, quote, if you refuse to police public drug use or aggressive panhandling, the quality of life will decline. If you increase the incentives for bad behavior, you will inevitably achieve catastrophic results. This is not social science. It's just common sense, close quote. All of this, Tent City, taking place in an area with a state university with an endowment about the size of our annual foreign aid package to other countries. Meanwhile, we are becoming the kind of country or parts of this country are becoming the kinds of places we send foreign aid to because of their immiserations and economic dilapidations. All of this in an area with business after business you have heard of that gives millions and millions of dollars away every year for political campaigns and other pet charitable causes. Oh, also, the university has a school of social work, and we do have a city council, and we do have a police force, and we do have a lot of unused property and buildings in the area of Jefferson and 19th Avenues. I say area because while this used to be a couple of blocks, it's expanding. We have something akin to what looks like the aftermath of an intifada in Gaza City, not 20 minutes from this studio or from where many of you live. Are we really saying someone could not come up with a partnership with schools of social work, police, mental health, property, and business development to enforce something called civilization here? But we will be celebrating Father's Day in this vacuum this weekend, and we will be celebrating June 19th as well, Juneteenth as its own new day to commemorate the final liberation from slavery in America. I saw no greater slavery in decades than I saw this morning. When Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Ulysses S. Grant, and their cohorts set to eliminate slavery, they did so on the basis of understanding the intrinsic worth of every human being, going back to the Declaration of Independence proposition that all men are created equal. 
equal in their distinctions from gods and equal in their distinctions from beasts, from being lords and masters or slaves, from being god or chattel animals. Slavery in those days was intellectually achieved by denying the self and human dignity of human beings. In fact, it started with the corruption of language. Slave, not human. N-word, not human. Chattel, not human. Once you put someone in the category of not human or animal, and the word chattel is where you get the word cattle, by the way, once you put someone in the category of animal, you can naturally then ride them or let them live like animals or do to them what you do to animals. Maybe, maybe, maybe diminishing the importance, mocking the important intellectually, toxifying the seriousness with which we used to put on the seriousness and ingenuity of that understanding is also why we have thousands of people living like this in Phoenix, in burlesques of freedom, mockery of law, and inhuman conditions. Inhuman. Also inhumane. Doing nothing, allowing it, tolerating it, is what is truly inhumane, though. And just like broken windows theories, broken men and women will not fix themselves. They will get worse. And just like broken windows theories, the territory and geography and enormity of the problem will, unaddressed, only expand and get worse. It doesn't have to. As I say, this is solvable. But to solve it, we have to get to a sense of what caused it, a sense of control, which every army knows it needs in a war zone, so that then we can cure it still turns out here in the West, I think, the use and abuse of language and the use and abuse of people has consequences and matters. Broken souls and bodies should be, to us at least, as important as broken windows, don't you think? Ending where we began with Aristotle in The Politics, he writes, quote, For man, when perfected, is the best of animals, but when separated from law and justice, he is the worst of all. Close quote. I'm Seth Leaps, and it's Open Line Friday, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960 is the number this Open Line Friday. Anything on your mind, any advice you want, thoughts you want to explore. Uh, I don't do medical or legal or financial. Other than that, portions of the show are brought to you by the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. They have intel that you will want. They have in their crosshairs a major concern about economic flattening of historic proportions, and that will commence this year. Time is of the essence to protect your investment. Call Midas Gold Group to find out what they've analyzed and put together. 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. They have the intel. They have the experience. They have it all. MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. I, Seb Gorka, thousands of you already know them. I own gold and silver from them. You can and might want to as well. Stephen Hayward over at Powerline. Joe Biden. Promises made. Promises kept. While campaigning for the presidency, while campaigning for office, here's what Joe Biden said about energy. Headline, Associated Press. 
an intimate moment, Biden vows to end fossil fuel. Joe Biden is looking voters in the eye and promising to end fossil fuels. You've all heard the video, uh, heard the audio and seen the video. Joe Biden tweets, running for president, tweets, we have to treat climate change like the existential threat that it is. As president, I will end subsidies for fossil fuel corporations, ban new drilling on federal lands and waters, hold oil executives accountable, rally the world to raise the commitments of the Paris Climate Accords. So how's that end fossil fuel working out as promised? The Wall Street Journal reports this afternoon, President Biden came to office vowing to cut dependence on fossil fuels, putting environmentalists in charge of energy policy and asking Congress for billions of dollars to fund a transition to cleaner energy. 17 months later, greenhouse gas emissions are up. Renewable power development has slowed and oil and coal consumption are on the rise. Domestic oil and gas production has increased since Mr. Biden came into office and is projected to rise to record highs. But that has just inflamed concerns from environmentalists that Mr. Biden is backing away from his green agenda, to which the right response is. (laughs) Biden said yesterday inflation is worse everywhere but here. Everywhere but here. Annual inflation. 8.3% in the United States. 27 countries of the European Union, 8.1%. United Kingdom, 7.8%. Mexico, 7.7%. Germany, 7.4%. Iceland, 7.2%. Portugal, 7.2%. G7, 7.1%. Austria, 7.2%. Ireland, 7%. I can keep doing this as it gets decreasingly lower. No, ours is not better than everywhere else. It's almost worse than everywhere else, particularly developed countries that people have been to or heard of. France is nearly half of ours, for example. Chaser. Meanwhile, down in Australia, which just voted in a leftist government dedicated to fighting climate change above all other issues, is having a little difficulty. Here's a headline. Quote, Australia, world's biggest coal Exporter battles power crunch, urges people to consume less, suspends electricity market, considers blocking exports. The story reads, Australia's heavily populated eastern state has been facing a prolonged power crunch at around 25% of the market's 23,000 megawatts of coal-fired capacity, which has been offline due to technical issues at major domestic coal mines. Cold winter driving up demand for heating obsolete state of many coal-fired power stations. Meanwhile, 65% of Australian energy is generated from coal. It's almost like this green energy stuff doesn't really work out that well, isn't it? A lot more to say. 602-508-0960 if you'd like to say something. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Cool touch air conditioning and heating. They only focus on two things, putting the customer first and always doing what they say they will do. 17 years in business, A-plus rating with the BBB, never received a complaint with the ROC. I love cool touch air conditioning, heating, and plumbing. I've used them in several homes. 
and so have my friends. Check them out at 623-734-1932. That's 623-734-1932. If you have plumbing or air conditioning problems, God knows you don't want those right now. Or visit them online at CoolTouchAC.com. That's CoolTouchAC.com. This uh, Tom, listener Tom here sent me an email. Imagining a basement administration. This is really good. Imagining a basement administration. Seth, imagine where we might be today if after winning the election from the safety of his basement, Joe Biden had just stayed there and left everything as he found it. Issue by issue, we would probably still have a small contingent in Afghanistan. The border would have been relatively quiet except for the continued progress on construction of the wall. The economy would be slowly expanding as we organically emerged from the pandemic shutdown. Energy production gradually increasing as demand from a healthy economy of increased energy demand, all while preserving independence from foreign fossil fuels. You can probably add to this, include Ukraine, inflation, illegal drug smuggling. There's more. Some say Biden ran his campaign from his basement. But what Biden, what if Biden had stayed in his basement after the election? I think we'd all be a whole lot better off. Thank you, Tom. That's really well done. Yeah, what we were doing this about a week ago, weren't we, Bill? Um, best piece of advice Bill Bennett said he once got when he moved to Washington. Don't just do something. Stand there. Don't just do something. Stand there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe sometimes you just need to not upset that which is working based on ideological concerns that you think you can affect better, even though every piece of common sense and history shows you they won't. What did Oliver Wendell Holmes say? He said a, um, how did he put it? He said a, uh, a, uh, a pay, uh, a, a volume. Yeah. A page of logic is better than a volume of history. That's what he said. A page of logic is better than a volume of history. Well, we have logic and history on our side when it comes to these policies. And it's not as if they're going to change. They're going to do something else. They're going to do something else. Guys at Issues and Insights have it. One of the hallmarks of authoritarianism is the crushing of free expression. Speaking against the state is not allowed, not in an authoritarian country. What then to make of the Biden's administration's efforts to silence Americans? We've editorialized against the Disinformation Governance Board, which is wounded through not as dead yet as it should be. That's but one example. Add to that the White House's campaign to enlist the private sector and muzzling voices that dare oppose the loony green energy policies Democrats have been trying to force on the country for decades. It's not just the Second Amendment this administration wants to erase. It's the first one as well. Many Americans are skeptical of the promises that renewables like wind and solar will not only meet this country's energy needs, but will do it at a low cost. We have many times over the years shown why this distrust is warranted. So have our valued contributors. Most recently, when Sterling Burnett of the Heartland Institute wrote that Belief that wind, solar batteries, and electric vehicles combined can effectively and cheaply power the nation is foolish and belied by all existing evidence. 
I've also made the case over and over that the claims that man is overheating his only planet are overheated themselves. Doing so has probably put us on a White House blacklist of dissenters whose ideas have to be squashed. We think of it as an honor. Though he served under the pen and phone president, Joe Biden has not issued an executive order that would prohibit challenges to the green narrative. This is not necessarily to his credit because for now the administration and the Democrat-controlled Congress want to enlist the private sector to censor speech it doesn't like on the climate front. Stay tuned for what they're doing there. And recall what we were worried about throughout COVID when we were censored for engaging in misinformation. Misinformation that turned out to just be good information. We said COVID was a testing ground for other activities and other policies. You make something an existential or an extreme threat, especially to public health, and then the government can do anything in the name of it, as they did with COVID? Guess what's next? Well, we guessed what was next, and it's here. We'll talk more about it when we come back. 602 5080960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're looking for a really remarkable and unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y Refi. I've spent some time with them. They are my friends. What they are offering is a fixed no load interest rate up to ten and a quarter percent for investors all in a collateralized, secure portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence-proof firm, as I say, run by really good people. Check them out for yourselves, investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, investyrefi.com. You can give them a call, 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087, or investyrefi.com. Tell them I sent you there. The folks at Issues and Insights were talking about the next wave of censorship to be looking forward to, I suppose, would be the way to do it. We saw it when it came to, quote-unquote, misinformation the government didn't like with regard to public health and COVID. Turned out the misinformation they centered, censored turned, turned out to be more accurate than the stuff they were promulgating and disseminating and censoring us over. Then we had Joe Biden speaking to tech companies, telling them they needed to do a better job of eliminating misinformation about other issues generically. Then we had a series of conferences from the left, including Barack Obama at Stanford and the mainstream media, Chicago, talking about the toxicity of misinformation on the Internet and what they need to do and how they need to get more active in working with the social media companies About that, somewhere in between, we got the Department of Justice issuing guidelines, working with local law enforcement to stop conservatives from speaking at school board meetings against issues having to do with sexualizing our children or reinstantiating racial ideology to them at young ages. Now, think about what happened last week with the White House National Climate Advisor, Gina McCarthy, the Obama EPA director whose current job shouldn't even exist. Last week, she said tech companies have to stop allowing specific individuals over and over again to spread disinformation. Now it's coming to the client issue. 
We need the tech companies to jump in, she said. Gina McCarthy's friendly media inquisitor set up this useless bureaucrat to further endorse speech policing when she asked, isn't misinformation and disinformation around climate a threat to public health itself? To which McCarthy replied, oh, absolutely. This is a variation on a theme to chill speech that the ruling class and party don't like. This administration, as I said, has already asked the private sector to be its agent in censorship. Before that, congressional Democrats were using hearings to exert control over the content of online platforms. Independent journalist Glenn Greenwald wrote last year because they wanted the country to believe that misinformation, disinformation was plaguing those online platforms. Boy, public health, you invoke that, you can do anything you want. The First Amendment doesn't specify what speech can and cannot be uttered and says no law can be made to abridge it. The Democrats want to circumvent this protection by using the executive branch and private companies to purge opinions, comments, and information that threaten their power. We should make no apologies in claiming this to be tyranny. Think about how they do it, by the way. You saw it with COVID. You saw it where they couldn't actually engage in punishment of a company that didn't follow certain mandates when they couldn't find the constitutional basis for doing so. They just threatened those companies with regulations. Those companies, you know, they work with reams and reams of regulations and orders that required the federal government's approval and renewal. And they threatened those companies with not doing those if they didn't comply with certain of the COVID restrictions. That's how they do it. That's how they do it. They either do it boldly or they do it subtly. They either do it unconstitutionally or they do it through coercion and wait for the lawsuits to follow while they're on to the next thing. That's how they do it. That's how they do it. It's a funny thing, this uh, this President Joe Biden. You think about it and you think about that email I received earlier from uh, from the listener. Um, Tom, you think about Joe Biden's calling cards of experience, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Those were his two big chairmanships. They're powerful. Those are big committees, but probably the two most important committees in the Senate, Judiciary, Foreign Relations. How's he done on foreign relations? How's he done? How did he do on the withdrawal from Afghanistan? How's he doing when it comes to a clear and conscientious foreign policy based on human rights as he's now planning to go and seek help from Saudi Arabia, as he sought help from Venezuela? How's that going with Iran engaging in more terrorism in its neighboring countries, including last week in Turkey when not attacking us in Iraq? How's that going? Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Judiciary. Judiciary is a whole other animal. How's it going when it comes to the First Amendment? How's it going when it comes to the Second Amendment? How's it going when looking at constitutional norms and this odd, odd thing about Brett Kavanaugh and the violence that is taking place against pro-life pregnancy centers 
and counseling organizations and churches. Fifty violent attacks on them. Fifty. With an organization called Jane's Revenge proudly promising more if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. Nancy Pelosi was asked about whether she would denounce the violence at pro-life centers yesterday. You know what her answer was? I believe in a woman's right to choose. That was her answer. I believe in a woman's right to control her own body. That was her answer. Think about what that means when the question is, will you condemn violence? Will you condemn violence against pro-life crisis pregnancy centers? I believe in a woman's right to choose. Is that a signal to keep going forward with it? If you're asked to denounce violence, but you're saying nothing about the violence, just supporting the underlying ideology the violence is acting on, is acting out upon, you're supporting the violence. You refuse to denounce it. To this moment, Joe Biden has said zero, zilch, about the assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh. Nothing. Not a word. Former head of Senate Judiciary Committee, whose job more than anything else, was to clear federal judges and give them advice and and give the president's advice and consent in their hearings at the district, appellate, and Supreme Court levels. Nothing. Not a word. Zero. It's incredible. Meanwhile, January 6th committee goes on and on and on and on and on, trying to tie Trump to some form of violence that took place, some forms of violence that took place on the Capitol. After three massive moments of hearings on this, the impeachment, the hearings last year, the renewed hearings now, we have less on Trump causing that violence than Nixon causing Watergate. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. George Kaloff coming up to do some politics with us at the top of the next hour. Irving Crystal, you've heard me talk about him from time to time. He's not his son, Bill Crystal, and I don't know that they would agree on much these days, to be honest with you. I, I just don't know. I knew them both a little bit um, back in our more halcyon days. But Irving Crystal wrote a ton on domestic policy. That was his field not foreign policy, even though he is the godfather of neoconservatism. He didn't really write on foreign policy. It's kind of a, an odd distortion of history to say neoconservatism is a foreign policy viewpoint. It didn't start out that way. A few people who claimed to be neoconservatives had their own foreign policy viewpoints, but it doesn't embrace neoconservatism, at least not in its original intent, at least not the way Irving Kristol envisioned it. I was reading an essay of his on the character of the American. It's called The Character of the American. And he wrote it about a generation ago, about 30 years ago. And he was talking about how much we have accepted our democratic institutions in our national character, almost as if it were in our bones. So literally that he wrote, if we transported two or 3,000 Americans at random to Mars to establish an American colony there and then left them alone, what do we think they would do? Now, remember, this is 30 years ago. He said they would do exactly what the original settlers of the West and South did. They would behave like Americans. The first thing they would do is build a school. Second thing they would do is build a church. Third thing they would do is go out and make money. Fourth thing they would do is have elections and form political parties and fight like hell. They would just clone the American political process out there 
on Mars. Do you think that's still true today? That was 30 years ago. I don't think it's true today. You think about the institutions that have suffered the most over the last 30 years. It's all four of those, isn't it? Schools totally taken over. Religious freedom under the First Amendment, totally cancelable and changeable and alterable and infringible at the whim of a government, especially if it's in the name of, quote-unquote, public health. Go out and make money. They've made it harder to do that. And then elections and political parties as they try to silence and shut down and write off, as the head of the DNC put it earlier this year, fascistic Republican Party. It's interesting what can happen in 30 years. I'm going to come back to that. 30 years, a generation. Why do you think Ronald Reagan said we are only one generation away? Only one. Takes only one. It's just interesting to read that. Those four institutions he thought would be so commonsensical if we were to recreate society. It's a huge question mark whether we would, isn't it? 30 years, one generation. It can happen quickly. I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. We have a lot more coming up, and we'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.